Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your day podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd. On today's show, I want to recap what I thought was a plain Wednesday in Madrid. Yes, we had one really good three-set match between Veronica Kunermatova and Jessica Pagula, a battle that saw Kunermatova escape with a three-set victory. Outside of that, not that much to move the needle, as you had Carlos Alcaraz, Borna Cioric, Iga Sviantec, all advanced advancing in relatively comfortable straight set victories. Now, I know Alcaraz was down a break in the second set. Karen Hatchinov served for the set, but Hatchinov never got to set point. Alcaraz ultimately off the court in straights. Of course, I'll break down that match and all of the four singles results from Wednesday's action in Madrid here on today's show. It's going to be a relatively shorter podcast for all of you listeners. That said, if you're looking for your tennis fix, rest assured, We've got you covered here at Crack Brackets. We've previewed the 2023 NCAA tournament over on our Great Shot podcast feed. You can hear our thoughts on the women's draw with myself and John J. Parsons. You can hear our thoughts on the men's draw with myself and Chris Hallioris. Of course, our Crack Brackets team is gearing up and thrilled to be a part of the NCAA Division I, II, and Three tournament broadcast. We'll have action from this weekend's opening round play on Friday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so much action. I believe we have 23 of the 32 regions locked into our coverage. We'll have so much action. We'll actually have to divide things into two separate broadcasts. I believe it's going to be myself and Perry Shinen steering the ship as we have all college tennis season long. So if you're looking for tennis this weekend, yes, we'll have championship weekend in Madrid. We'll also have the best weekend, in my opinion, of the year, the opening rounds of the College Tennis Division One NCAA Tournament. So again, if you're looking to get your fix, we've got you covered here at Crack Rackets NCAA Tournament Previews over on the Great Shot Podcast, conversations with players, coaches from the college pro ranks over on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. All of that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, a shout out as always to our dear friends at Tennis Point before we get going with today's episode. If any of you are looking to update your own gear, whether it be your rackets, your clothing, whatever else it takes for you to perform your best on the tennis court, rest assured, our friends at Tennis Point, they have you covered with everything you could be looking for at the best prices. All you got to do, go to tennis-point.com today. Use our promo code CR15 to let them know we sent you there. We are so grateful for the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. The least we can ask you to do is support them as well. Tennis-point.com, the promo code is... CR15. All right, let's start on the women's side of things. That was where we had our one three set result of the day. And again, it was a plain Wednesday, but a very fun three set match between Veronica Kudermatova and Jessica Pagula. Each of these players have had a ton of success 
over the course of the past 19, 20 months. And obviously, Pagula's success more pronounced, I suppose, than Veronica Kudermatova's, just given the fact Pagula, you know, Kudermatova made the quarterfinals of a lot of events last season. In fact, I believe she was either first or second, right up there with Sviantec, double digits amount of quarterfinals, but they weren't always at the 1,000 level events, the slam events in the way that Jessica Pagula was so prominently featured in so many of the highest level events over the course of the last 18 months. That said, you look over at the Tennis Abstract stats leaderboard over the course of the last 52 weeks, you know, Veronica Kudermatova is right up there. Really, if you go since the start of the 2022 season, since it's been a slower start to her uh, 2023 year, again, Kudermatova is right up there. Now, you heard me sneak in that commentary on her 2023 to date. Things have slowed down for Veronica Kudermatova this year in a way they certainly haven't for Jessica Pagula. And look, for Kudermatova to reach the tour finals last season, for her to uh, or be in the mix, excuse me, as at that event as a singles alternate and to be there in the doubles competition, again, she was a top 10 player for the majority of last season. She finished the year 39-20 and 20 overall, made the quarterfinals or further at 11 different events. It's a remarkable season for Veronica Kudermatova. That said, coming into this week here uh, in Madrid, Kudermatova was 10-9 and overall on the year. She had made the quarterfinals at three events, but hadn't reached a quarterfinal since Doha back in February. In fact, she entered Madrid having lost six of her last seven matches. Now, you know, three of those losses were Sviantec, Pliskova, Goff. That said... Losing six of seven is not something that had happened in quite a bit of time for Veronica Kudermatova, and that's why it's so encouraging to see her not only have success in the fashion that she had uh, to the degree that she has this week, but to have success in the fashion that she has this week. Three three set victories for Kudermatova to work her way to the semifinals, and again, given the surface we're competing on. It's been a very significant and difficult pathway for Kudermatova to get to the semifinals. A three-set win over the always tricky Parisa's Diaz on the clay. Three-set win over Potapova in the round of 32. Potapova won a title on the clay in Istanbul last year, has clearly established herself as a top 30 player to start this season. So again, legitimate win for Kudermatova over the number 21 seed. Gets a 7-6 in the third win over her 2022 nemesis in Daria Kasatkina. Kasatkina, of course, who beat Kudermatova in last year's French Open quarterfinal. This time it's Kudermatova, 7-6 in the third, who gets the victory. And then for Kudermatova, back-to-back top 10 victories, I believe, for the first time in her career. She knocks off third-seeded Jessica Pagula, 6-4, love 6-6-4, here in the quarterfinals on Wednesday It wasn't the prettiest match. There were a lot of breaks of serve in this one. And what? There were 13 service games apiece. You know, Kudermatova was broken seven times on the day. She was able to break serve six different times. And look, if you lose the six love sets, the stats are never going to look that gaudy at the end. But love the physicality. Kudermatova brought to the court today. And for what it's worth, it helps to be at the elevation of Madrid. And elevation, more than anything else, speeds up the conditions. It rewards a heavier ball as opposed to a flatter line drive ball that, like the one Jessica Pagula hits. And the action off of the Veronica Kudermatova ball, in particular, 
her ad side serve today against Jessica Pagula. I know she was broken seven different times. You know, she was broken three times in that second set. So two times a piece in the other two. That ad side serve was the difference maker. It was the only reliable weapon for either player on the day. And this was a very physical match. And yeah, the unforced errors certainly piled up for Kudermatova in set number two. And look, Kudermatova's up a break, two love, to start the third set. Pagula ultimately erased that break deficit 4-2 all. And credit to Jessica Pagula. I was thinking about this as I was watching the match, how I was going to work this in to today's podcast. The biggest credit... I can give to Jessica Pagula, and maybe this is a slight against Veronica Kudermatova in the mind of some, but in my mind, it's actually a testament to the consistency, the reliability, and the unwavering competitiveness of Jessica Pagula down the home stretch of matches. Even when she was down to love in that third set, even when she was down, what, 4 2 and 5 3 in that third set, I was still, or 5 4. I still felt pretty sure that Jessica Pagula was going to find a way to win the match. And again, it's where I got to get a ton of credit to Kudermatova, who was a top 10 server last season by hold percentage. She can hit the kick serve wide on the ad side. The flat serve down the tee she hit, or excuse me, the flat serve out wide she hit on match point. I wasn't expecting it. I don't think Pagula was expecting it either because you could tell with where the toss was located, Pagula started to lean T because that is where Kudermatova typically hits her flatter T serve, and yet she mixed things up after playing a lot of kick wide, which makes sense on the clay court because you want to open up the easy lanes of attack. You go kick wide, you just have that big alley uh, to attack if you're Kudermatova, and she did a great job of doing that at times in this match. Also hit the return on the rise extraordinarily well. The depth she was able to generate on her returns. And she has a little go-for-broke for in her game, but it was really impressive. She put Pagula under a ton of pressure. And I guess more broadly, I know these were scattered thoughts, but I've always been intrigued. There's a springiness to the athleticism of Veronica Kudermatova. No one's going to pen her as a great defensive counterpuncher, and yet she is a very fluid mover around these clay courts. She has a little bit more time on this surface to get into that big forehand backswing. I think she's driving through the ball, or at least in this Pagula match, she drove through her backhand extraordinarily well. And yes, she's streaky, and she's not a Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club player because it's not an overwhelming pace. But it is a heavy pace to deal with, and you don't have to deal with it as consistently as, again, some of the other more prominent power tennis players you think of because Kudermatova does get a little bit streakier, and then when she does that, she gets a little bit too tentative on that backhand wing and will be 12 feet behind the baseline at times. But I've just, I remain compelled by Veronica Kudermatova. Again, she's had a really good three-year run, 33-24 and 24 in 2021. 39 and 20 last season, you know, has slowly built her way from top 30 player to top 15 player by reaching a semifinal in Madrid, a much needed result that'll help her hold her ranking spot moving forward. She's back up now, Kudermatova, to number 12 with her run this week. Again, you still have Roma on the calendar. You still have the French Open as well. You look for Veronica Kudermatova. What does she have to defend coming up? So many things. French Open quarterfinal. Nothing in Rome, so that's the last freebie, but French Open quarterfinal, Berlin quarterfinal, Netherlands semifinal, San Jose semifinal, U.S. Open round of 16, Tokyo semifinal, Monastir semifinal, Guadalajara quarterfinal. So a lot of points to defend. 
for Veronica Kudermatova. Excuse me, I apologize. Sometimes you get calls during the podcast. We'll leave that in. But again, needed this one. She got it. And after dropping that second set, sixth love to see her bounce back, be as competitive, as fiery as she was down the home stretch. I thought she played particularly well. I don't know what to make of Jessica Pagula as a clay court player. I think the weight of her shot, the depth she's able to generate, her ability to change direction, her ability to keep the ball in front of her. I also think she's sneaky fluid in the corner. She did a really good job of sliding into some of her uh, shots. And I just think she has strong legs, which you need to have as a mover on this surface. And so I don't doubt Jessica Pagula's fitness. The serve just struggled for Pagula today. She could never find her rhythm. She could never find a, a, a clear pathway in the plus one shot. I mean, again, she was broken six times in this match, three times in sets two and th- uh, in sets one and three. She went over 50% of both her first and second serves, but just 55% of her first serve points. Again, I think it had more to do with Kudermatova, who's taken every return early. I've never seen Kudermatova return as well as she did today. And after three straight three-set victories, why not take some chances? Again, credit to Kudermatova. She gets the three-set win. Much-needed semifinal uh, for the 12th seed, but... Look, now she runs into the buzzsaw, and that buzzsaw has a name. Of course, that name is Iga Sviantek. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Generational clay court talent. Like, the statistics say it, and I'm not going to go over her career statistics again. I'm not going to reiterate the fact that she continues to break serve over 50% of the time for about, what, it's May, so... January to May, that's 17 months consecutively of breaking serve over 50% of the time. I'm telling you, I've looked at the numbers. I've never seen anyone do that. It becomes that much more pronounced on clay courts. Poor Petra Martic didn't have a weapon to disrupt anything Ego wanted to do. And if you don't have a weapon to disrupt Ego, she is going to crush you on this surface because in the way, if you just give her time to set on that ad side of the court, again, you are just in trouble because she can go inside out. She can go inside in with the forehand. She can go backhand cross. She can go backhand short angle. She can go backhand line. Her paw, you know, her with time on that ad side with how heavy she hits the ball, she's the best mover I see in the women's game on the clay courts. And that movement allows her to generate, you know, again, she's so strong that the depth she can generate in those corners as well. She crushed Martich. I don't know how else to say it. Like, that was a beatdown. And again, Iga now undefeated through Stuttgart, through Madrid, uh, gets, uh, you know, a nice bounce back for her after the three-setter over Alexandrova. She's played three seeds, for what it's worth, consecutively now in para Alexandrova and Martich. And while none of them have been top 10, you know, none of the, I, she was up a set and a break on Alexandrova. She should have finished that match in straight sets. Like, she shouldn't have dropped the set this week. I think she's been head and shoulders above the field. I think she'll blitz Kudermatova tomorrow. She's an 86 point, or two days from now, whenever it is. She's an 86.8% favorite, 65.5% to win the event entering the semifinals. Of course, the other semifinals, Sakari Sabalenka. As I said with David Kane on Monday, it feels like we're going to get Sabalenka Sviantek round two here on the clay. And I just think the eye test matches, uh, like, will match that result because if you've been watching the tennis this week, those two have been far better than the rest of the field. Sakari, of course, coming off of the three set win over Begu, Sabalenka, three set, but in name only, 
uh, victory for her over Sharif. She was down a set and a break, 6-2-2-1, wins t- 10 straight games, up four love in the third before you know it. I know I talked about that one yesterday. Don't worry, I'm not recapping it here today. I'm just simply stating that, again, it's career matchup number nine between Sabalenka and Sakari. And Sabalenka beat Sakari in the Indian Wells semifinal two and three. Sakari beater the two times prior to that. Sabalenka five and three in the career head to head. They've never played on clay. Indian Wells is the closest facsimile you're going to get to clay on hard courts. And again, we just saw Sabalenka beat Sakari two and three on a slower, higher bouncing hard court surface. The altitude of Madrid, not entirely dissimilar, though. While Sabalenka, you know, again, I think Sabalenka is a good mover on clay. Sakari is as well. It's just, again, what does Sakari do to consistently hurt Sabalenka? I don't think she's going to be able to execute her serve, her forehand as effectively as Sabalenka will be able to reciprocate that combination. I'm leading Sabalenka in that matchup. And again, watching the way Sabalenka won two and three at Indian Wells was broken just twice in that match, won 74% of her first serve points, didn't serve particularly well. She did have the double faults creep up on her, made just 56% of her first serves, and yet two and three in that match. Again, she played sloppy at the start of her match against uh, Sharif, but Sharif kind of does that with the off speed, with the heavy Western forehand grip. I think it's all Sabalenka. Uh, tomorrow. I expect, or whenever they play, I expect Sabalenka through in straight sets. I expect Sviantek through in straight sets over Kudermatova. I just think four three-set matches, and now you face Iga. Nope, that's not the circumstance. And again, Iga 3-0 in the career head-to-head. It's not a bold pick. It's what I said to start the event. I think we get Iga Sabalenka part two, and I'm really hoping we do because, again, that is the rivalry right now, or the matchup. It's not really a rivalry if there's no I mean, it's turning into a rivalry. It could be a blossoming rivalry, perhaps, with back-to-back Stuttgart-Madrid finals here to kick off the European clay court season. So that's where things stand on the women's side. Again, that three-set match with uh, with Kudermatova, really the only uh, – and Pagula, the only dramatic match of the day. We can go through these men's matches pretty quickly. Alcaraz, a 4-5 and five win over Karen Hachinov. Hachinov was up a break, 5-2 in that third uh, – in that second set. Gets broken, serving for the setup, 5-3. It never gets to set point in that game. Alcaraz goes on again to win five straight games to close out the match. I think it was five. It might have been four, but I'm pretty sure it was five. The most impressive thing I can say about – Karen Hatchnov is he broke serve to go up 3-1, and that's how I know it was 5-2 because then he holds 4-4-1. But he breaks serve to go up 3-1 in the second set. Alcaraz hits a ridiculous passing shot to go up love 30 in that 3-1 service game for Hatchnov. Hatchnov manages to hold there. And, like, you know, Hatchnov was broken three times against a guy who's broken serve 39.3% of the time to start this season. If he breaks serve 39.3% of the time for the duration of the year, that will be a single-season ATP Tour record. And is there anything in the eye test to suggest Carlos Alcaraz isn't capable of doing that? Absolutely not. Getting broken only three times against Alcaraz is a semi-victory in what was obviously a, a, a not a disappointing defeat, but a loss for Karen Hatchinov. And I thought he kept pace well. The, diff- the, the thing that makes Carlos Alcaraz such a pain in the derriere to deal with 
is you try to take a few steps behind the baseline to absorb the heaviness of his pace, to give yourself just a little bit more time to reciprocate on those ground strokes, to track down the heaviness of those ground strokes. And then he just mixes in the drop shot. And any time he caught Hatchnov taking two, three steps back, you saw the drop shot come out. Forehand wing, backhand wing, it didn't matter. Now, again, credit to Hatchnov, who had some gusto who had some pace on his first serve, on his plus one forehand, on his first strike combination, to push Alcaraz behind the baseline a little bit. He also did have have the physicality to absorb and the size to absorb some of the blows, particularly that inside-out forehand, Hatchnov's backhand, well-suited to deal with that ball. And you could tell there were times Hatchnov was like, thank you for the topspin. I will happily drive through this. But that drop shot, it just kept... Hatchinoff, I just forced Hatchinoff to keep guessing, and that indecision, uh, that indecision ultimately, uh, it's how Alcaraz gets through in that second set. It's how he gets through four and five. The kid just keeps on swinging. Last match as a teenager, his birthday's in on Friday. Second uh, most wins behind just Rafa as a teenager. I saw the stat come out, probably opta ace. Second or third highest win percentage behind Nadal and Djokovic amongst active players on clay who have played over 50 matches at the tour level. Generational talent. Not eliminated from the GOAT discussion. I don't know how else to frame it. Um, other than that, Chorch, 3-3 three and three over the lucky loser, Daniel Altmaier. Chorch looked fit. I think that's the... And, and first of all, I don't know when it happened, but the Chorch first serve is now a weapon God, does he snap that ball off. And again, talk about a guy who had struggled. You know, Chorch coming into Madrid had lost five consecutive matches, uh, hadn't reached a quarterfinal since Dubai, now into his first semifinal of the season. Look, I mean, again, Altmaier, a guy who, uh, he just had Altmaier on the back foot, on the return of serve, did a great job with his kick serve, with his flat and kick tee, both kick tee on the deuce and kick wide on the ad and then mixing in the pace to the forehand as well. Altmaier just didn't have the juice to get Chorch off of his front foot and Chorch was so efficient in executing his first strike against Altmaier. Didn't face a break point in the match. He went over 90% of his first serve points. You could see that manifest itself in the eye test. Again, I don't remember Chorch having this much snap on his serve, but God, was he snapping it off against Altmaier. I thought he was moving really well also. Like, he was sliding into forehands on the run. He was hitting his backhand with a little bit extra time. And, again, there are moments where he looks Djokovician on that backhand wing. He has since he was a successful world junior number one at, what, 16, 17 years old, whatever it was. I think it was 16. He's been very streaky, but he looks fit this week. I think the mullet is reflective of the level of fitness. He can let it all hang out because guy is playing extraordinarily well this week. It's been very streaky. I'm not willing to say he's back. But I'll tell you what, when you have a uh, Cincinnati 1,000-level title and now a Madrid semifinal on your resume, that keeps you in the ballgame. You get to do whatever you want to do over Wimbledon, over the course of July, whether it's Clay or come play Atlanta, come play... Uh, win, uh, no, not Winston-Salem, play Atlanta, play Los Cabos, play whatever it is Borna Church wants to play. He's getting into. 
20 in the world entering the week. By reaching the semifinals, he's up to number 16, four off of his career high of number 12. And again, really does not have a ton of points to defend over the course of the next two months. If all of a sudden the French Open and Wimbledon are both offering points, Borna George might just make his top 10 debut if he can sustain this level. Again, he looked he looked fit today. In a way, even in the win against Hercot, I just didn't quite see. Today, he looked more comfortable than anything else, and I'm sure it helps to face a guy like Altmaier who can really disrupt his rhythm, but it's a really nice win for Borna Chorch to reach the semifinals. And now you want to know where your game's at? You get the ultimate test in Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz, 85.6% favorite in that matchup. Of course, tomorrow you've got Tsitsipas Struff. Tsitsipas 4-2 in the career head-to-head. Look, Struff's got weapons, plays decisive enough to take the ball off Tsitsipas's racket at times. I just think Tsitsipas is going to be better at executing the game plan of aggression first-strike tennis than Struff on this surface. Look, given there are no seeds left in the draw, given the bottom half of the draw is Tsitsipas, Struff, Jung Jijen, and Aslan Karatsev, Tsitsipas has to make the finals here in Madrid. Get a look at an Alcaraz again, or get perhaps a look at a thriving Chorich. He needs it. I expect him to win it. I think it's a must win for Tsitsipas. Again, Struff has already done the hard work. Back up to number 41 in the world, you know... The whole world is now, it's a whole new world. We'll sneak that in. Um, it just is for Jan Leonard Struff moving forward. Karatsev, Jungji Jen. Look, three straight, seven, six in the thirds. How much does the 26-year-old from China have left in the tank at the same time? Karatsev, the massive win over Medvedev. Will there be a hangover effect in this result in his level? Time will tell. I suppose time will tell. That's the only answer to that question. And... Again, I would lean Karatsev just because I don't know if Zhang Jijian can do it again. And, you know, Zhang Jijian into the top 70. Karatsev currently at number 91, but uh, excuse me, not at number 91, number 90 in the live rankings. But he wins this match. He's all the way back up to number 51. So I just think Karatsev needs this one a little bit more. It opens up the rest of the calendar for him as well. I'll lean Karatsev. Karatsev Tsitsipas semifinal would be pretty fun if Karatsev remains this locked in. But again, overall, pretty plain Wednesday in Madrid. That said, quarterfinal action. I haven't quite looked at the Madrid schedule tomorrow. I am looking a bit forward to our NCAA tournament coverage right now, preparing myself for all of that. But of course, we will be back tomorrow to recap everything that happens in Madrid. And we'll be here throughout the course of the week to keep you covered on everything happening across levels in the tennis world. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the <laughs> of an any job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point for their continued support. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.